If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, hey, listeners. <laughs> Why you start rubbing me? You'll be able to see Ben rubbing me on YouTube. Anyway, we're getting started. Hey, listeners. The best way to wake up is putting money in our Patreon cup. Yep, that's right. This show is sponsored by listeners like you. And now you can give to our Patreon for $1, $3, at $5, or at $5 a month, friends. We just had two new friends join the party, Deandra and Letitia. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci Podcast. And today is the day that we will be drawing our little book raffle for the book giveaway, Binti. I'm showing the camera here and here. So Ben, I'll do a quick sexy little drum roll, and then you're gonna tell us who the winner is. Are you ready? A brrrr. Angela. Do, 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 do. Boo, boo. Angela. Whoa. Yes, Angela. Angela S. <laughs> nice. Or Angela five. Nice and loud. It's S. Backwards. Don't. Ri- that is my handwriting. Angela, congratulations. I'm gonna hit you up in the Patreon streets, um, in the DMs. I'm gonna slide in your DMs so I can get your address or an address you're comfortable with us a sh- with sharing with us, and I will send you the book Binti. Now, remember, patrons, every month we do a book giveaway. So if you want to join that drawing and have your name in that raffle. Please join the Patreon. Yeah. And did you share with everybody with what we're doing with the Patreon money? You didn't. You didn't share that awesome news. Yeah. So basically, uh, there's an epidemic in which uh, there are lots of homeless cats throughout. Um, this uh, is news to me. Yeah. So throughout. I'm just gonna... Yeah. It's the state of Westeros, uh, the town King's Landing. So all okay. the fund that we raise here will go to finding homes for the orphan cats in King's Landing. What what is this about? What? We're using the money to f- fund homes. Okay, where well, what's the link to that? This is truly news to me. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, really awesome. Uh, I found this great organization that is willing to. So we'll be giving all of the proceeds and the and our our production costs to cats. Uh, yes, specifically. And you're, uh, there's, and you're there's choosing a town, to share that with me right now. Yes, there's a town, um, uh, Westeros, and within it, um, uh, this they have is a, a or, joke. Uh, no, that's from Game of Thrones or something, right? What the fuck, Ben? Okay, you know what? Let's get started with the show. What the hell are you talking about? I'm just trying to get people to give us more money like i think people would be more willing to give us money if they knew that we were finding homes for orphaned cats we know we are the cats. orphaned cats we are orphaned cats you do sing like a cat sometimes if you don't oh. do your warm-ups uh, you know what I'm more Welcome. like a dying cat like a cat maybe that was hit by a car i do love cats like a lot i really want a cat but amber refuses to get one so the money that we get. This pussy's the only cat you need, baby. Mm-hmm. Now, welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci under the Believe Podcast Network. It's a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page of our marriage. Today for episode 63, we will not be giving to cats in, um, uh, in the North. We'll be discussing book one of the trilogy, Lilith's Brood. Written by the OG, the mother of science fiction, Octavia Butler. Now we haven't covered any books by Octavia Butler except for um episode one. We covered Kindred Mm -hmm. slightly, but you didn't have to have read Kindred because we were comparing Octavia Butler's Kindred to um 
Janelle Monae's, who starred in it, uh, Antebellum. And, no, the, we, and we found out They should out have read that, Kindred. They, we I absolutely know, spoiled everything. But that Kindred. was almost a year ago. Yeah, that's I'm true. not sure what we said. So I just wanted to norm that this time we are just like solely focusing on book one of three. The, um, the first book we'll be discussing today is Dawn. So I just wanted to, you know, shiver me timbers, get you ready for that. So we will be spoiling. This was written in 1987. But as Ben has told me time and time again, everything needs a spoiler alert yeah. on the front. But we're also going to, you know, if you haven't read it, that's all good. We're also going to, you know, make it so you can... Follow along. Follow along and connect, you know, sure. text to what was it? World. You see how that works, Ben? Yeah. And I, I would say that unlike a movie or something like clickbait, um, you know, the TV show or you, where you could literally say one word and it would spoil everything, right? Where uh, Dawn, we could spoil the plot, but I think you people should still read it because it has these great meditations on life and meaning and you know, existence and shit like that. Important shit like that. So no cats though. Uh, no cats. Are there? Yeah, there's. There are animals though. Yes, but that, I mean, we're animals at this point. So now let's jump back into you shit talking me. So first, so first you decide to throw me a curveball, which I'm sure y'all will see my face on the YouTube. Also, we're visual now. Ha ha. So go to Wild Wild Love, and uh, you can watch all the episodes of the Sci-Fi Side podcast there. I'll drop the link below. Um, but Ben was coming at my throat talking about how he's wanted a cat for a really long time. Ben does not want a cat. Let's be clear. Let me, let me say what I got to say and then you can join in. That's the sound of quick, the dog. Quick, quick pause for Gucci scratch break. Ben does not actually want a cat. Ben wants to, um, have more credibility as a writer. And instead of just writing more and, and doing workshops and writing prompts as a daily exercise, he thinks that buying a cat will actually make him more established as a writer. That's why Ben wants a cat. Ben does not want a cat to take care of, to pooper scooper, whatever the fuck cats do. He just wants to look pretentious. Now say what the fuck you got to say. And hurry up. I'm just kidding. That was a quote from Tiffany New York Pollard um, at the Flavor of Love reunion. No, I mean, I... I like cats. I had one of my my childhood. Thank you for bringing it up. Now I'm really emotional. But about two weeks ago, my childhood friend and childhood pet, childhood brother, Tubbs. An occasional lover. An occasional <laughs> lover. Yes, I used to have sexual relations <laughs> so, with my cat. Somebody's going to catch this out of context that you're going to get fired from your school. Uh, yes. That, that's, ooh, um, that's not okay. For lots of ethical reasons. It's not okay to have sex with a cat. For ethical reasons, yeah. For ethical, yeah. It's not okay. We could actually talk a little bit about that. There is some uh, connection in Lilith's brood. Uh, anyway, so I love this cat. Really sweet cat. And name's Tubbs. Very cuddly. And he died after he was 18 years old. Damn. He lived a good, that's a long time. Yeah, that's a long time. And it was just very sad. And my dad... He's a very poetic uh, young man. He's like 65. And he gave this burial. And in the burial, burial, um, you weren't there for the burial. You were mad at me that day or something. Uh, Wait, but, uh, what? I was mad at you? Yeah. I think I'd come on late. You weren't there for the burial. I, I followed it on FaceTime. Okay. Man. So you weren't there for that. I was at a coffee shop. I um, We were texting. Oh, you, my God. Ben. <laughs> Sorry. Gucci is just... Completely he's, eating himself out right now. Yeah, he's licking his... Um, well, he doesn't have testicles. He's licking his penis. I mean, he's cleaning his penis. I mean, All that's right. how some people clean themselves. <laughs> like, his tongue is more... Um, wait. It's got, like, a... Got bumps on it and stuff. Same thing with my tubs. Okay. Uh, tubs Let, wait, tongue. we're already getting off the rails. So you basically, like, spite didn't invite me to the cat funeral. I was trying we to fighting. contact you, and you weren't calling... How are you going to call calls. me and, and be on FaceTime? You don't know how to text and be on FaceTime. I, Anyway, point being, it was very sad, but my dad had said something along the lines that when you lose a childhood um, pet, it's sort of like a symbol of people moving on out of their childhood, right? Like it's mm -hmm. a very hard uh, and clear signifier that your childhood is done and over with. And so Tubbs' uh, death, which I was there for his birth, because Leah was his mother. We had Leah and she got out of, we, she was very young. She was like a year. We hadn't uh, spayed her yet. And she'd gotten out of the house and we thought she was, you know, a goner. And she came back 
um, she pregnant. Was screwing the she mm-hmm. was screwing the milkman. So she came back pregnant, had six kittens. I was there with all of them that day. Damn, she a freak. She, yeah. And imagine if you had six babies growing inside of you. Be... Just shoot me. Um, okay. Out back. Out back. Ooh. All right. Uh, like Old Yeller. Another, mm-hmm. another oh good. God, I yes. like, I read Old Yeller growing up too. Anyway. Yes, dog on dog in the West. So uh, it's sort of like a symbol of losing your childhood. You know, do you feel like you've lost your childhood now that she's passed? Yeah, I think like there's elements of it like, oh, that part of my childhood is is done and gone. Like that's over. You know what I mean? Mm, That's tough. Yeah, there's an element of sadness to it for sure. But I mean, I'm pretty okay with it. We're being honest, you know. What about if like you're an adult that buys a cat and then years later the cat dies? What do you say then? I mean, I, I guess I mean. You didn't grow up with it in formative years. I mean, maybe it's it like losing. Count. Well, it does count. I, I think there's something sort of more intense when you lose a childhood pet. Anyway, so I was there for Tubbs' birth the day. And then, uh, yeah, like the night before my parents took him to be put down because he was just suffering, you know. Mm-hmm. my I called him. and I was there for that. Yeah, you were we there for that. We weren't fighting for that. Yeah. Well, I'm so sorry I missed Tubbs' funeral mm-hmm. because of something silly that you probably did. Yeah. I wish things were different. No, I, I was at a coffee shop and, and uh, my parents didn't really tell me like the specific time they were doing it. They just called me, which is something I've learned. And I was like, oh, shoot, I should probably have Amber join, but I, I didn't. I didn't. Well, everyone you. knows you leave me out of things. So Sometimes. we're going to go ahead and read an Apple podcast rating. I'm just kidding. I love you. Um, we did have one Apple podcast rating, but it's it's a great one. So let me go ahead and read that. Um, this one is from Tucker Star Gemini. Listen now. Thanks so much for creating this space. As an MFA and current English and creative writing PhD student, oh, I see you hit him with the flex. I love listening to you talk about black speculative. I love listening to you talk about black speculative media, whether I've engaged in it beforehand or not. Amber has such an engaging voice. Also, I love hearing you talk about Chicago. I'm from the 773 and went to Kenwood Academy High School in Hyde Park. Hey, you know, the funny thing is we actually used to live across the street from Kenwood. So represent, as you know, as we all know, I'm from Georgia and Ben's from upstate New York. But Chicago has, you know, just such a a huge place in our lives. And it's going to be where uh, our, our young daughter will be born and raised. So shout out to Kenwood. Um, and if we ever meet in these streets one day, the other day I had this fear that my child will never be able to learn how to footwork because obviously Ben doesn't know how to do it. And I'm not from Chicago. So I obviously don't know how to do it. And you know, there I'm is older YouTube now. tutorials. Like we you, can just no, watch you a YouTube. Have to, Amber, you no could watch a YouTube tutorial a YouTube... and learn how to footwork easily. No one watches a YouTube tutorial to learn how to Chicago footwork. I think it is truly just something you learn growing up in Chicago. It's like double Dutch. Nobody's watching yeah. a tutorial. You either grow up doing it in the neighborhood or you don't. It's just one of those things. I think nowadays. It's like your mac and cheese. It's just one of those things, right? So we can do our best to look up tutorials and recipes, but at the end of the fucking day, when it's all said and done, you know, when black people say that, that's the bottom black ass line. When it's all said and done, some things you just grow up learning how to do. Spades and the like, it is what it is. So I need to find someone for, for Wild, our daughter, um, coming to April 2022. I need to find someone to teach her how to footwork because I can't do it. She has to meet other kids in Chicago and learn how to do it on the streets. It's above us now, Ben. Yeah. Okay. What you got to say about that? I mean, a couple of things. First of all, let's not assume, like, yes, like we're, ha- I guess we're having a daughter, but like, let's not assume their gender. Like they could, yes, they're going to have like female genitalia or whatever, and right. then they can choose what they want. So okay. I know. I, okay. I think, but, but when it comes to the footworking, yeah. wow, we'll be able to do that. Yes, That's absolutely. Yeah. We can. House music, all of it. Like sure. Chicago. Chicago. But if we homeschool the child. All right. Well, let's get started with the book. Um, <laughs> pass me that book because that's you know that's not going down. Who's who's gonna teach her in the home, Ben? You? 
Yeah. What are you going to teach her? Teacher, I will. Octavia Butler will be required reading. Do you enjoy teaching, Ben? I do. It's a lot of fun. Oh, a lot of fun. I like. Yeah, we had. I had students uh, create ziggurats, and then uh, they're gonna like write. What is that? Ziggurat. Cigarettes. Cigarettes made out of zucchini. (laughs) No, that's what it sounds like. (laughs) No, ziggurats are temples of ancient Mesopotamia for sacrifice and they're not just cigarettes no because part of we're learning about the elements of civilization religion is a big part so i've had them like create myths i've had them you know create their own religion i've had them create you know talk about the different technology um i just feel like if my child came home and said my teacher had us make a ziggurats a ziggurat i think it's pronounced ziggurat okay so so y'all gonna be doing that at the house Mm mm-hmm and you gonna keep this classroom that is the house yeah, clean? Yeah, and uh, well, you gonna be on a no. schedule because learning the, isn't clean. So. Okay, let me ask you this. Yeah, but it's structured, so structured doesn't have to be clean. So if we were to homeschool. What time would uh, Wild's day start? Probably nine o'clock. That's too late for me, Ben. Well, that's what and time high school when, starts. Nine o'clock. You went to school from nine to noon, if that. Yeah, nine to noon. And was that adequate? Absolutely. No, because you told me your dad used to just be like, just make up your grades on the report card. I did. Yeah, grades weren't That's important. That's not okay for me. Learning, learning was important, not grades. That's were, actually, well, were you that's learning? Where all, that's were where you the, actually learning? Absolutely. Math I could have learned more about, which was frustrating. Right. I, so, t- but call it I, like am, it is. I am qualified to teach up to calculus. I could teach calculus. So what's she going to do then? After calculus, you, you'd have to, you would hire a tutor. Like hopefully you, a lot of these private schools, like very wealthy, wealthy private schools by 10th grade, um, some, you know, if they're getting the proper training, most kids can, can get through Calc 1 through 10th grade. So then Calc 2, you know, 11th grade, you, you get finished Calc 2, but then by your senior year, you're jumping into, you know, uh, more. What happens when you like don't a need a, what happens when you need a day off? She just ain't going to learn that day. No. Because you know you get fatigued. I do, yeah. It's only four hours. It's a half day. She No. She, they, whatever she wants us to car, she will be learning full days. Because y'all not going to be terrorizing me of the rest course, of the day. Of course we're going to be learning full days. We learned full you days You just said already. it's only four hours. Living with you is learning a full day. <laughs> um... Let's talk offline. So <laughs> let's get into Lilith's brood or Amber's brood, which she about to be out with because of your ass. Um, I think it was originally called the Xeno Genesis mm-hmm. trilogy, mm-hmm. right? And then they changed it to Lilith's brood. Uh, yeah. So the reason why we're reading this, this was one of the first science fiction books I had ever read in my life. So a lot of people don't discover octavia butler until much much later in science fiction life but i think this this was one of the first ones that i read um i guess shit like 2008 was when i read this uh so it was like a year after she had died and i think it's sort of sad but i think her mythic type of um placement not only within science fiction culture which she was already she was always there if you were in science fiction everyone had read octavia butler but then she started to expand when Afrofuturism, um, you know, in the mid, like the 2010s, really became a, became a more popular term, even though the term was invented in the 90s. Uh, so I read her right when she started to become more popular in the mainstream. Because you, you were just so woke. No, uh, I took a science fiction class, and the professor I had uh, Dr. Kevin Pinkham, uh, awesome dude. He introduced me to science fiction and this was one of the books we read. I fucking loved it. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I was, I was taking like four literature classes. So I was reading about anywhere between two to three books a week. So I wasn't able to read adulthood rights and Imago until that summer, that summer I took it and I was working in a summer camp and I read the rest through the summer. But many, many things changed about how I thought of colonializations, um, how I thought about biology, how I thought about cancer particularly. Uh, And yeah, this book was everything. Um, Who introduced you to Octavia Butler? You did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Hmm. Yeah, my whole life, um, excuse Mr. Pinkham, but my whole life is one long sci-fi and fantasy course with you. I have um, signed up for that. I, I agreed to it in my vows, so I'm actually very, you know, I, I like to give you a lot of shit sometimes, but I'm actually incredibly grateful that you have introduced me to octavia butler because i don't think i would have been introduced to her otherwise you know what i just remembered you said of course i actually still have his um syllabus mr pinkham yeah we should check it out yeah cross reference like don't try to look I, for it now because i'm well, telling where it is I, I know exactly where it is okay let's look at it after the show and we'll share it on the patreon okay yeah so that's what we chose to read this book um and we also haven't read a book in a while. We've been watching a lot of TV or, or we read a comic book recently. So I kind of wanted to um, go back into like a longer story. So hopefully you're reading with us. If you're not, it's all good because we're going to talk about it. So Ben, why don't you give a quick summary of the book? Yeah. So humans have fucked up the earth. And mm. Oh, I love how you're giving it like this. Yeah. Keep, yeah, yeah. keep going with Completely that Completely destroyed the earth. And yet uh, these aliens, the uh, Unkali come in and save humans. And generally, this is not what Onkali do uh, when a species self-destructs. And in this case, it seems that humans have committed a, a nuclear war. And sort of that Onkali interpret that as them having like a suicide fantasy. And so they usually don't interrupt sort of like the, uh, you know, the in Star Trek where you're not supposed to you have to follow like the laws of first contact, uh, where once you reach warp drive, then the Federation will reach out to you. But this you start you you know about this right? Like the prime no. the prime directive. I'm gonna give you 20 seconds to explain that what that is. So okay, we get off track. basically, yeah, the prime directors prime directive states that the Federation cannot talk to a uh, or reach out to a pre warp uh, drive species. So warp drive is a type of technology in the Star Trek universe that you go really fast. So basically the Onkali have a prime directive. But in this case, they made an exception. What's a prime directive? You're, you're, I'm, I'm completely Okay, confused. so yeah. So in Star Trek, you'll hear this phrase over and over again. Oh, I won't be watching Star Trek. So just give it to me like outside of Star Trek. Okay, anybody who, who listens or watches Star Trek will know the prime directive. It simply states that the Federation, which is the organization of aliens and planets... Um, that are combined together, do not reach out to a species or a planet that has not um, developed the technology of warp. Okay, so it's like, it's levels to this shit. Like, yeah, like, we're not fucking with you until you know how to warp. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And that's very similar to what the Ankali have. So the Ankali aliens in this book are saying, we're not reaching out to you unless you know how to... Uh, un unless you know how not to kill yourself. Or unless you don't have like a, a desire to right. like... Right, it's like, I'm not coming up there if there's drama. You, Got it. Right, because I think that shows a serious flaw within the human human DNA. Like, to, If y'all don't know how to work together, y'all gonna try to exactly. fuck with us. And That makes sense. That, you know, I was talking with someone from my science fiction book club, and they were saying that it's to get rid of the desire to have war, uh, to get rid of the desire to fight, is actually to get rid of um, part of humanity. Sure. An, an integral part of humanity. So to be post-human, we would have to get rid of that humanness of like fighting and, and you know, conflicts. Anyway, so the Onkali don't really step in. However, it turns out that the humans have something that the Onkali really want. And the way that Onkali developed their technology is all through um, like Imprinting biology. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it's all through biology that you know this is you could call this uh maybe biopunk this idea of like modifying parts of your body and so the original unkali no one has any idea what they look like because every um, planet they colonize they take a little piece of they take them. a little piece of that like DNA. a little quilt right and it turns out that um they want to harvest part of our DNA and a very particular part of our DNA, which you find out within like the first 30 pages. And they want to, they want our ability, um, to, uh, you know, have cancer. That's what they want. The self-replicating ability. That's what they to want to have cancer. Yeah. And, and to take out the negative effects of that. And that actually reminded me of this play called wit. You ever mm -hmm. remember, I, 
We, it's about a woman dying from cancer. Mm, I don't remember this. Uh, so it's a really it's a really beautiful play, r- written by a nurse, and she had never I don't think she had ever written a play before. But she's dying from cancer. The, this beautiful meditation. But at one point, she has this young doctor who is like sort of obsessed with her cancer because she has a uh, a, a different form of cancer. And sort of he at one point very carelessly starts talking about cancer in a very romantic way. And he's like, yeah, and cancer's just, and the woman who's dying from cancer says awesome. And he's like, yeah, cancer's just awesome. And like, he's totally oblivious to his nerdiness and how his desire to study cancer is actually not taking account that cancer is eating away this woman. Yeah. And Sort of that scientific idea of cancer is awesome is how the Uncali uh, approach humans. Got it. And so, yeah. So let's talk about where Lilith comes in. Yeah. So Lilith is a woman who is awakened uh, after like 250 years of sleep. uh, And the Uncali have revitalized the earth and sort of taken care of all the awful nuclear fallout. And so now that Nkwali is trying to integrate the humans within their society. And they do this very cautiously because as we find out, they, some humans, you know, surprise, don't want to be colonized or integrated into an alien culture. And Lilith turns out to be one of the leaders who work, can work with Nkwali and work specifically with sort of a third uh, gender called the Uloi. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a non-binary gender and uh that's where lilith comes in so yeah, yeah. so they're like you got sense <laughs> yeah the aliens are like you look like you could lead and wrangle your people into believing like they are on a ship this is real we have preserved them they destroyed themselves and sort of get on board with this whole like and now we want to sort of mutate with y'all and and also send y'all back to earth um, and of course Lilith is at first, like she can't even really be around the aliens and stuff because she's so repulsed by how they look. Yeah. I actually had a really fun time earlier today finding some images that like fans have drawn oh, of like, yeah. what they think the Ankali look like, which are really cool. Um, and so, but yeah, Lilith, Lilith started being repulsed by them and then she started obviously like starting to learn their language and, um, she even sort of helped raise up, um, a, a younger alien um Nikanj and and grows up so I guess you know sometimes when you see like the baby version of a thing and watch it grow up you're like okay I can sort of be around and trust and you learn from me I learn from you but you know as you can imagine humans are gonna human and some people are not on board with that and they call her a traitor and there's this whole big thing so yeah that's the summary yeah I mean like what do you think about Lilith as a character First impressions, Lilith. Okay, I really love her, obviously, because she's obviously a black girl. Yeah, she's a black woman. And I really like that they're... I, it's, it's so interesting that these aliens have captured, you know... A, let, let's say they've captured like 48 people or something. It's not like a huge amount of people. They've captured people, and I'm, I'm loving that they're choosing like a black woman to sort of wake up and explain and lead the charge on this, so... I'm immediately bought into her for that. She's also, you know, she used to have a family and no longer has one and um, is trying her best to, like, get past, like, how ugly these aliens are and their mission and stuff. But I really like her. Like, sometimes I was like, girl, just get past how they look. But then they'd, like, explain in another chapter how horrible they were. And I'd be like, oh, I couldn't deal with that either. Yeah. And she's super brave. And and they make her even stronger as the story goes on. So it was really nice to sort of see her character develop. She talks about experiencing xenophobia for the first time and how she always struggled with how people could be xenophobic. And she herself says, oh, no, I'm actually experiencing xenophobia. Like, for example, there's a scene where the little uh, Unkali, the Uloi, gets in bed with her and she's like, what the fuck? And then eventually she's like, okay, goes to sleep. I mean, everything the Unkali do is super intentional as far as, like, integrating a new species within their society, which in the book discussions when we read this, we talked a lot about uh, colonialization and how oftentimes we think of colonialization as we 
you know, a human coming over to another group of humans, attacking them, forcing them into slavery, right? Mm-hmm. And what the Yunkali do is a little bit more insidious, which humans do as well, which is like, t- you know, removing parts of your culture or like synchronizing parts of your culture into the dominating culture. And they're just way more sneaky about it, mm-hmm. which is actually how colonialization continues to work today. And that is something that blew my mind, that idea where you could colonize a group of people through um, like a... Just assimilation. Through assimilation, but a a kind of friendly assimilation, like a a caring assimilation and how the Uncali's kindness, caring, even the fact that they're saving them uh, from their self-destruction is still a form of colonialization. Oh, that word is tripping you up. Yeah. That word is bullying the, you today. That word is colonizing you me. Colonizing my mm-hmm. speech. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really like that she took note of her xenophobia and is owning it herself because, you know, when we call, when we think about people and incidences of xenophobia and homophobia and transphobia you you rarely hear somebody say like this thing that i did was transphobic and this like i i am feeling myself experiencing being racist or having some racist ideas and i'm trying to like acknowledge that and stop that from happening but i mean if you said that out loud today somebody would be like what what you know and so I really, I, I think I did that one time on my Instagram. I was like, instead of calling people out this week, why don't we all just like sit down and own something like racist that we did in the last week? All of us shit, you know? Yeah, because, you know, it's just really easy sometimes to be like, look at this outlandish video and look at this, you know, this professor gets kicked out of the jail for what, you know, professor said something stupid and whatever, but sometimes it's really hard for us to just like look at what we've done. And I I remember the first time a friend of mine called me out for something homophobic. I said, I like lost my shit and was like, what do you mean? I could never be blah, blah, blah. I have so many friends and I, and I caught myself getting defensive and using the same rhetoric that people use, you know, when it's like black people, like white people Mm -hmm. being racist towards black people. And I was just like, having that moment where I was like, wow, if I actually just had more people be honest with me about the ways that I did these isms, like that's just way more work. You know, it is just harder. Yeah. Let's take a little break, yeah? Yeah. Well, hey, listeners. Now, I know you're probably listening to the Sci-Fi Side podcast on Apple or Spotify, maybe even Amazon Music, but now you can listen to this show and, <laughs> you know, your second favorite podcast on Vodacast. Yes, that's V-O-D-A-C-A-S-T. Voda, like Yoda. You can download the app free of charge and dive headfirst into an immersive digital experience. So check out Vodacast. Now let's get back to the show. So we're back, and now we're going to talk a little bit about the misogyny. Oh, the misogyny of it all in the story. So obviously Lilith, she's woken up first because she's a diva. And, you know, well, she's a queen. And so then... You know, the Ankali are like, hey, we want you to get fully integrated. And then when you're finally at a point where you are like not completely repulsed by us, we're going to uh, give you some powerful capabilities. Like you can sort of open a wall by using your hand and you Mm -hmm. can help grow things on the ship. And then what we're going to do is trust you to slowly start waking up some of the other humans in their little animated pods. So Lilith decides like, okay, let me wake some of these bitches up first because, you know, things could get very aggressive. It's very jarring to be woken up if you've been asleep for hundreds of years. So I'm gonna wake a a couple of girls up. She wakes up Tate. I think she wakes up this girl named Celine. She wakes up, you know, a couple other girls. And then obviously these ladies are like, well, you need to wake some guys up. Like we could be in fearful fear of our lives. Like start waking up some of these dudes like immediately. Um, and so she slowly, she slowly starts waking up some of the men. One of the guys, his name is Joseph. He's like a great candidate to be woken up because he, him and Lilith, um, end up teaming up later in the story. But then she wakes up these two guys. One guy's name is Peter and Peter, as you can imagine, is a brute. He doesn't believe anything that she's saying about like, we're on a ship. I promise you. And he's like, no, we're not. Well, it's like, well, these are, we've been taken by extraterrestrials. No, we haven't. Like, I don't believe any of that shit. You're just protecting them. You're probably one of them. So Peter is very, 
aggressive as you can imagine and then later another guy woken up his name is Kurt he also is sort of given the same energy as Peter and I really appreciate that this part of the story was like put into it because that's exactly what the fuck would happen if you know a black woman woke a group of people up like there obviously be some like assholes being like I don't believe anything you say it's not Mm -hmm. true so later like Peter gets to the point where that shit ends up killing him. Like he, he, he's so mistrusting of this whole process. I think he like either tries to hurt Lilith or tries to hurt one of the Uncali. And so they just, they drug this man and they take him back to his room. <laughs> and you know, you know, next thing you know, we wake up, Peter's gone. He did. Yeah. He, he gone. He went up in the air. Now, Kurt, on the other hand, Kurt is oh, like. Wait, can I can I say something about that? Please. So the Uncali, the, 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 the alien right. tea right I, now. I think there's a temptation to see the Uncali as these saviors, to see them as almost perfect. I mean, their ability to cure any sort of disease, their ability to extend life for hundreds of years. Um, I think one of the uh, characters they wake up, we hear. You know, I don't think we meet him, but he is a man that decided to live for like 100, you know, lived to be 160, but he just stayed on the ship with the Uncali. He liked it. He didn't need to be around other humans. Anyway, um, I think there's a temptation to see them not make mistakes, but the uh, the reality is the Uncali make a lot of mistakes. And part of the reason we discovered is that they wanted Lilith to wake up people is because when the Uncali started waking up men, like men would you know, start, you know, try to attack the Uncali or they were so shocked. And there was almost this idea they discovered that humans were incredibly violent and aggressive. And so they had to take a step back. But even still, like they maybe they shouldn't have woken up Peter. Um, they also they're trying to like reach. Well, Lilith chose to wake Peter up, but she had to wake, you know, slowly. Eventually, she had to wake everybody up. She just had to choose like what order. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, the Uncali you know, they allow this to happen. They are still responsible. This is something happening on their ship. And they're also trying to get these groups of people to live back on Earth uh, with Mm -hmm. Uloi. Um, So they partner them up with Uloi. And you're like, not really sure what this partnering up is supposed to be until later you discover like, oh, they're supposed to, you know, have sex and Uncali sex, tentacle sex. Question. So... You've been captured. We've all been captured. Yeah. The only people on the ship are me, Wild, and your also immediate family. And they're like, hey, you can wake people up one at a time. Who are you waking up first? And why? I mean, well, you've read this book with me, so I would wake you up first because you would, I think, be more primed to... You don't have to say me because I would probably wig out. I think... I think... Yeah, I mean, it would be very jarring, but I could say, like, you know, we read science fiction. You've read more science fiction than anyone else in our family. So I think you would, you have more of this science fictional mind to embrace that kind of cognitive estrangement. Okay, take me out of it. I'm an easy one. Just your immediate family. Who are you waking up first? Uh, Probably my father. I think he is more open than other people. And my family, as far as like the bizarreness of it all, he's also very spiritual. He, you know, very much believes in God. I think, I think at one point he he's like, you know, God can do anything. Like there could be life on other planets that we just don't know about. I mean, God is all powerful, so yeah, he, he has his belief in God will also allow him to believe, like yeah, in uh, ET in them, yeah. which is kind of dope. Yeah, yeah, I think he's yeah, he would be probably more primed to embrace the the. The cognitive estrangement, which is such a great term. I love that term. Who's next in oh, your immediate God. family? Yeah, I don't want to go. You can say this. like sister one, sister two. You don't have to say names. Oh no, no, we're we're good. Pick I, one more out of your three sisters none and your of mom. Them. God, they're they're all annoying. <laughs> Benjamin James. Let them rest for another two hundred fifty years. Oh no. my gosh! Kidding? I, you would wake your mama up. I mean, unless she had. Ingredients to make stuffed shells. <laughs> so damn, you just you heard it here first, folks. Ben's mama's only good for cooking. Damn. No. Oh God. Yeah, that does sound terrible. I mean, that's all she's really been allowed to do in her life, which is really Oof. sad. Damn, we getting in the cut with it now. That's all right. I mean, she's done other. Yeah, I don't know. 
We might need somebody to forage and cook. <laughs> well, they don't need to forage and cook. Everything is provided. Also, you know what I thought was so cool? All right. One of the best parts of this book is that before they get to Earth and the other books, spoiler alert, take place not on the ship, most of them. Uh, so the ship is a living ship. I love that. Right? Binti, same vibes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. They have, you know, the living ships. Uh, and that, I love that idea. But also parts of the ship can only um, sort of recycle or connect with other parts. So the Yonkali are broken up with different factions and different factions have different responsibilities. But if you're on one part of the ship, you might not be able to like recycle on a different part. For example, you know, they're able to like make bananas and oranges. And so uh, Lilith eats an orange on one part of the ship. She goes to the other side of the ship. And then she tries to like recycle that orange peel on the other side of the ship. But that and ship, she can't, she can't she right? She can't dump it, it to up, crump it over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a very, um, like those little details makes you realize how, you know, if you have a liver, you can't, you know, yeah. take your liver and put it where your knee would be, right? Like, yeah, Octavia Butler of, is a genius. Yeah, those like little details really ground you into the reality of the story because, you know, a living ship, um, you know, tentacle sex, it all sounds like super bizarre, but she grounds it in this like realistic language. And some people don't like her prose style. It's a little like, um, maybe, I, I don't know, it's it's different. And so... She has a very particular way of describing things. There's a unique style to her. I love it because she can also make you, like, with her words, she can almost convince you of anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I've felt sympathy for the humans in this story. I've felt sympathy for the Ankali in this story. I can, I can really put myself in the position of not vilifying the Ankali. And even you just caught me doing that. It's kind of like the show, You, right? It's like, y'all are doing a really good job because y'all are making me want to be with Penn Badgley right now. And yeah. he is a serial killer. Like, why am I feeling sympathy for him in this moment? And like, they like they, they trick you into doing that. And I feel like her writing style does that in a really poetic way. Yeah, the young Kali aren't, they're not, you know, there ain't, there ain't shit. Like, there's some serious <laughs> problems with them. It's like, as, if somebody's nicely capturing me, that doesn't still mean they're not yeah, capturing me. Yeah. yeah, and they, like, destroy all and of the human nice ruins. Yeah. Like, they, they're like, we're just going to restart everything. <laughs> it's and like she, Republicans, you're going to jail. Democrats, I see you, I hear you, you're going to jail. It's like oh, yeah, there's, like, yeah, there's elements of both the Democratic and Republican Party that are both very insidious. And Well, I want to do the exercise from earlier. Oh, yeah. Who would you wake up first from your family? Who do you think I would do first? Obviously, your mother. No, maybe, I actually maybe think I would wake my sister up first. Maybe I was going to, your mom or Alicia. Your father would be last. I think I would wake my brother up last. Oh, really? Because he would be the most violent towards the aliens. You think so? Whereas my bro my dad is just an older version of him. Yeah, they'd be like, all right, as long as they got, you know, <laughs> Sanford and Sons, we're good to go. <laughs> You have some Not TV keep up coming here. coming my dad. Oh, my God. They're TV. like, let's just give him a La Marita. Yeah, it'll yeah, it'll go quietly. Yeah, they have. Uh, yeah, but. It's so funny because even today on the phone, I called my mom and talked to her for a long time. And she was. We were just talking about somebody who got really belligerent uh, drunk. It wasn't you. I think the conversation started with you, but we, they, we were talking about somebody else. And she was like, hey, you know, you ain't never seen your daddy get sloppy drunk. I was like. Hello? Hello? Am I talking to the right bitch? Like, I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I mean, you've never seen your father slur his words and things like that. I'm like, yeah, but he, are we, are you with us right now? You good? Because I've definitely seen him turn the fuck up. So, um, yeah, I checked her on that. But I definitely think I would wake my brother up very last. Because my brother would be Peter. He would get his ass fucking killed trying to fight yeah. the Uncali. Right. Not, not believing anything we're saying. He would be just incredibly combative no matter what we said yeah and slight like plot point where the young collie have basically this poke where they can like poke you and immediately kill you mm -hmm. it's like a sting it's yeah. like some thanos shit but yeah. it's a stinger yeah right you like how i made those connect? yeah it's a somewhat thanos how how would it be thanos can't he like snap and make your shit disintegrate or some shit well you need to watch that movie because that's no no. That's not... So he can't just snap and things disintegrate. I thought that was like the whole thing. I mean, thing. he can do whatever he wants. Okay, so but, what... Why... 
so now I'm. Um, I, I would oh. consider it more like the man with the golden gun. Like it's more of like a golden gun. Austin like, Powers. No. Okay. James Bond. Awesome. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. That's like Austin Powers. It is like <laughs> it's Austin like the Powers. parody. Yes, yeah. it's the parody. Yeah. Of course, I'm, I'm only referencing the parody of That's James Bond. That's very funny, actually. Yeah. So uh, I, I think like the the Infinity Stones allow you to do whatever you want. Ah. So it's not like uh, by it. And oh, it's I thought not, it was just the snap. No, 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 no. Like he, the snap is like a symbol. I mean, he, he could have done it with whatever i think like a, i mean uh, thanos like a, a whistle, is just a ear scratch thanos is like very dramatic and like oh so how he, would you do it then if you could do one thing i mean you if the you way the if you stones, have all the infinity stones what well, it you turns out pick that, up your nose to kill somebody motherfuckers would be dying all the time then what if picking up your nose meant killing picking somebody. up like picking my nose like digging yes digging that's i'm how trying to think would, about something you do frequently oh my god you're you're hilarious i know i am sorry you can get back to the story no i mean it's more of like they have this incredibly powerful weapon that's part of their biological body in which they have no control over Mm -hmm. unless you're uloi which is this third gender um yeah well they yeah they but but they're very you know i'm falling into the the pin badgley thing like they're very aware of that like they'll tell you like they're they're, they're very honest right they like, can't lie we, we we have the power to fuck you up so yeah. please remain calm like like they say it like that so i catch myself being like well at least they told you but y'all still don't want to listen um so the, peter yeah, the- and kurt are the two sort of like bravado machismo men who are like no we can we can escape from here and we can get out of here and do this on their own and and lilith lilith is like, like we're literally yo this a, is a ship a like, ship and it kind of reminds me like everything that they're creating so the the Ankali have essentially created like sort of a a simulation of earth that's mm-hmm. very tropical it kind of reminded me of like the hunger games the second movie it's oh, like yeah. this is a sit like this island has been created it, it it has a force field or um annihilation it's like this mm-hmm. is all completely made up but these this like these brutish humans are like no it's not like look that's grass over there and she's like i'm telling you this is not real this is completely made up and everything that you're saying the uncolly can hear but go go ahead be be boosty badass or whatever so then obviously what happens shit goes south and lilith is sort of forced to take the the alien side because she's like y'all are out here killing and hurting and stealing and you're not gonna win this fight and then at the end of the story you know we already dropped spoiler spoiler alert we find out that Lilith, Brenda's got a baby. Yeah. Lilith is carrying um, one of the, you know, mutated Ankali human um, babies. And she's not super happy about that. Yeah. And, and she can't abort. And that follows. happening. Yeah. That follows uh, that baby story in the future. So we sort of see the growth of that baby. Um, I think plot wise, the story moves really slow, but it really builds it up. Like she, you know, I. Uh, Octavia, Octavia Butler was planning on this being a series, right? And so it's very intentionally, you know, plotted out. And uh, there's so much to say about Octavia Butler, but pretty recently her papers became accessible and she saved everything, right? Like everything. So you can go through and sort of look at all her notes and read like different um, additions to this. And I, I've talked to some scholars who've gone back and like looked at, you know, diff- different drafts of this as well. And so there's just, you know, so much research going on in these books. And it's great that this is happening because she is definitely the mother of science fiction, but also becoming an icon. She's she's reached icon status uh, in, in the realm of like, you know, uh, William Gibson or... Um, you know, I, Isaac Asimov, where people are reading Octavia Butler when they're not even science fiction nerds. Yeah. Or like Lovecraft. So, or Lovecraft as well, like this mythic uh, person who has sort of embedded itself into pop culture. Yeah, I love Octavia to see her is. coming into 
pop culture. I know we had a, a long time. We were when we were discussing baby names. Octavia was definitely in the running. Yeah. For for a hot minute there. Um. So I I'm super grateful to you for introducing me to Octavia Butler. It's a shame that it took this long or that we have to like sign up for classes to get to know like elective like specific classes to get to know who she is but i'm glad we've arrived here now and i might just trust you to homeschool our baby yeah we'll in the see. future we'll see. if, if yeah, this maybe. is on the curriculum I, I need to look over your syllabus at the top of the year what I happens will. with i like if i ever want to argue with a grade with you that's just gonna be us well no i mean we have to we have to talk about actually the purpose of grades and grades are actually quite purposeless they're the point of a grade, unless it is specific, you know, rubric aligned um, to a very specific standard, like they can't be debated. And there's a huge, um, I get you, huge, huge debate, and and the debate in which it's leaning to this idea that like classwork or homework should not be graded because that person is practicing on a skill, and the only things that should be graded are quizzes, tests, and but like what happens if they're not even practicing? Well, the idea is that the research shows that kids will practice if they feel successful at something or if they're learning something. If, if they know what they're supposed to be practicing, how they should be practicing, most kids will do that. And um, yeah, but sometimes so you follow kids the just research. don't want to practice at all. Right. And then you then, successful or not. Right. So then you have that child take a break and then come back to it. You know, it, this is, you know, this is a, a case of an, um, Dawn, you know, in Lilith's brood where she's woken up, she's not responding well, and then, uh, she's put back to sleep for another hundred years or whatever. So sometimes you just have to make sure that. People, and drug your children and wake yeah, them up and in a hundred years. And drug them. Maybe that'll wake teach Wake them. them up in a hundred years and then they might be ready to learn. <laughs> Well, um, if drugging and waking up in 100 years is your strategy, maybe we will rethink that. I do want our child to be socialized, though. That's my only job. I was with socialized. This thing. Look, K through 10th. Boy, stop. You, I am one of the most socialized person here. I am fucking doing great. You don't even have social media. I am fucking People doing great. People know you great. because of me. Okay. Nobody knew you until you knew me. And with that being said, Ben, why don't you warp up the show? Yes. Uh, read read this book okay how about we start in (laughs) in conclusion you know octavia butler is the shit uh this is great winter reading you know get the series you you can buy this compendium set called lilith's brood it's absolutely fantastic you might see it as like the xenogenesis trilogy uh and so there's lots of different ways you can buy this book Uh, So, yeah, definitely go ahead and check it the fuck out. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci-Fi Side Podcast. Up next, you know we're finishing Lilith's Brood by Octavia Butler. So the second book of the series is called Adulthood Rights. So if you are reading with us, be sure to read Adulthood Rights, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.